Welcome to Living For Him podcast, where in every episode, you are invited to experience the joy of a life in Christ. I'm your host, CJ Cousins, and in today's episode, it is my prayer that the primary emphasis and goal of the following message is that you hear and respond to the good news about Jesus Christ and his kingdom. So whoever you are and wherever you are, thank you for joining us. I invite you to listen with an open heart, subscribe for future episodes, and stay tuned for some next steps after this message. Enjoy. Genesis chapter 32. A CBS reporter sat down to interview Dewey Bazola. He was a 52-year-old uh, a boxer who was about to begin his debut, his, his debut boxing career challenging and fighting against a 30-year-old professional boxer. Now don't count out Dewey Bazola just yet. Uh, Dewey Bazola had already won the fight of his life. Most people growing up in the circumstances he grew up in would have not have survived. He grew up in Brooklyn, New York, and he witnessed his father beat his mother to death. He lost two brothers to the streets, and at age 19 was arrested and then later convicted and sent to Sing Sing prison for killing a 92-year-old woman. The only way that Dewey Bozzola was able to cope with the stress and the chaos of his life was to engage in boxing while in prison. And while he was in prison, he continued to fight to maintain his innocence. He says, I would rather die in prison than admit to something that I know I did not do. So Dewey Mazzola, he goes on while in prison, while boxing, while fighting to maintain his innocence. He goes on to, in prison, earn a bachelor's degree. And then he goes on to earn a master's degree. And then finally, after 26 years in prison, the Innocence Project picked up his case. Lawyers that worked to overturn uh, decisions that were made to, 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 for false imprisonment uh, found evidence that indeed Dewey Zola was innocent. Dewey Bozzola never gave up the fight for his innocence. Dewey Bozzola did not let life knock him down. Dewey Bozzola was in the fight of his life and won. I'm thinking about somebody who is trying to get into school right now and they're unable to get in because obstacles are coming out of nowhere and they're in the fight of their lives. I'm thinking of a young woman who is, who is, who is feeling a lack of purpose and fulfillment in life and, and she can't see the, the light at the end of the tunnel and she's plummeting into depression and she is in the fight of her life. I'm thinking of a man right now who is who is, who is trying to fight to save his marriage and, and, and everything doesn't seem to be turning out the way he hoped and, 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 and he's holding on by a thread by faith. He is in the fight of his life. What do you do when you are engaged in the fight of your life? 
How do you cope? How do you survive? In the book of Genesis, we find the story of someone who did what he thought he had to do to survive. His name has become a self-fulfilled prophecy throughout the course of his life. His name is none other than the notorious Jacob, which means deceiver. It, it means supplanter. He cheats his brother out of his birthright. He deceives his father in order to get a blessing. And then in return, he gets cheated. And, and he also gets lied to by his uncle Laban while he's trying to win the heart of Rachel to become his future wife. Finally, after many years, he decides to, to go back to his home country where he knows he must inevitably face his messed up past and possibly be killed by his brother Esau. He tries everything. He tries everything he possibly can to try and fix his situation. Everything humanly possible he knows how to do, but nothing seems to work. He even sends Esau gifts uh, he sends his brother uh, gifts only to find out that his brother is already on the way with 400 armed men. Jacob, who is now filled with anxiety and desperate, divides up his camp into two camps in a panicked attempt to survive. What do you do when your past and fears come up against you? What do you do? In Genesis chapter 32, we will learn from Jacob's experience three secrets to surviving the fight of your life. Before we do that, we want to ask God to be the one to talk to us tonight. I really don't want it to be that you said you heard CJ, but I really hope that you hear Jesus tonight. So let's bow our heads and ask him to be the one to talk to us. Let's pray. Jesus, this is your moment to speak to your people. And I pray, Lord, that tonight you would move through these pews, move through these chairs. Holy Spirit, arrest our hearts, remove the distractions, Father. Free us to hear and to see Jesus. We are engaged, Father, in a fight, in a battle, in a struggle, and it's ripping us to shreds whether we want to admit it or not. But the answer is found only in you, Jesus. And so we want our ears to be open and attentive so that we can hear what you have to say to our hearts so that we can leave here changed. I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' precious and beautiful name. Amen. I want to invite you to open your Bibles again to Genesis 32 and go with me to verse 9. Genesis 32 and verse 9. I love the Bible, don't you? Uh, the Bible says in verse 9, it says, Then Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord who said to me, Return to your country and to your family, and I will deal well with you. I am not worthy of, of the least of all your mercies and of all the truth which you have shown your servant. For I crossed over this Jordan with my staff, and now I have become two companies. 
Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he come and attack me and the mother with the children. For you said, I will surely treat you well and make your descendants as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. You know, at this point, Jacob knew that the only way, the only way he was going to get out of this situation was to pray. He had come to the end of human options, and he did what he should have done long time ago. And many of us can identify with that. We, instead of praying immediately or even before something happens, developing a lifestyle of prayer, we, we wait till the crisis happens, and then that's when we decide to pray. And Jacob is no different. And in this prayer of Jacob, we discover that if you're going to survive the fight of your life, you've got to confess your fears while claiming God's promises. Say that with me. Confess your fears while claiming God's promises. In the middle of 2008, I, find my, I found myself unemployed in the middle of a downed economy, and fear of failing professionally, and, and, and the inability to provide for my family, which at the time was really just me and Deidre, uh, gripped my heart uh, facing that reality. And, and maybe there are some husbands here tonight that can understand kind of what I'm talking about. When, when you're in this bad economy, you, you, you're out of money, the, the, the bills are piling up, and I would come home when DJ wasn't home, and I would just fall on the ground, and I would just cry, and I would just pour out my heart to God in tears, and I would lie there pouring out my fear of failing and, and losing our house. I would tell God about the mounting bills and the mortgage that was falling further and further behind. And in the midst of my pouring out my fears to God, in that second, a scripture promise would pop into my head. And I would tell Jesus, Jesus, you promised that you would never leave us nor forsake us. Uh, you said, Jesus, that you would be with us uh, to the very end of the age. And then I would quote Jeremiah 29, 11, and I would say, God, you said you have a plan for my life to give me a future and a hope. And also in Romans 28, I would tell God what he said through his prophet, that all things would work out for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose. I kept on confessing my fears and claiming God's promises until God blessed me with a new job and was able to get our house sold so that we didn't have to deal with the foreclosure. To God be the glory. Jesus wants us to be able to come to him and say, God, you said. Jacob's prayer to God is a beautiful illustration of expressing your fears and claiming God's divine promises. He, he starts off his prayer by recognizing God as, as the God of his fathers, uh, this is the same God, Yahweh, Jehovah. This is the same God who, who, who gave uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob the promise. And now Jacob, the promise of many descendants and the, the promised messianic seed. 
He reminds God that he is the one who said to go back to his own country and that he has said that he would deal well with him. Then he recounts his unworthiness of all that God has done for him. And then, then left, uh, he left with only his staff in his hand, and now he is returning with two companies of people. In his prayer, he's already recounting that, God, I, I only left with a staff. All I had to my name was a staff. And God, you have moved in my life. Now I have two companies of people. These are wives. These are children. These are servants. Uh, Jacob is now wealthy. And in spite of Jacob's shortcomings, God had indeed blessed him. And sometimes we need to just stop and look around and see that God has already blessed us. That God is worthy of praise. That God is moving in your life. That he is taking care of you. And guess what? Check your pulse right now. You're still alive. You're still alive. And even that is a blessing. Then Jacob begins to pour out his, his heart to God for deliverance from Esau. He says, for I fear him lest he attack me and the mother with the children. Jacob doesn't try to pretend like he doesn't have any fears like some of us do. You see, we, if we don't acknowledge the fact that we actually have fears in our hearts, and face them head on and confess them to God, they grow in the secrecy of our worried-filled minds and overwhelm us. There is a saying that says, feed your faith and your doubts and fears will starve to death. Lest he be consumed with his fear of Esau, Jacob begins to feed his faith by claiming God's promises. Jacob says to God, God, you said I will surely treat you well and make your descendants as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. God, you said, and that's exactly what God wants us to do tonight. He wants us to come to him and say, God, you said, and he loves it to hear when you tell him what he promised you in his word. God loves it when you say, Daddy, you said, you promised, Dad. And he has to respond. But friends, in order to tell God what he said, you've got to first know what God said. <laughs> I don't understand how one can claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ and not read the Bible on a daily basis. That is a sure way to spiritually starve to death. Uh, Barry Black said recently, every day you eat physical food, eat spiritual food. Uh, this is how the Holy Spirit brings to your memory the words of Jesus so that you can hold on to them when faced with trouble in your life. Already throughout his life, God had given Jacob evidence that he was with him. And even on the way to his country, Jacob in verse 1, if you look at verse 1 in Genesis chapter 32, he is met by the angels of God. We don't often hear that mentioned in, uh, in, in sermons, that the angels of God met him on the way. And in verse 2, it says that when he saw them, he said, this is God's camp. This is God's camp. Before God... Uh, but before Jacob even prayed, God wanted him to know that he was with him to protect him. However, even after Jacob prays, like many of us, Jacob still tries one more human solution. 
he tries one more thing. He sends huge gifts over to Esau, which suggests to Esau that he has not come to claim his birthright and hopefully to appease his brother. We pick up the story in Genesis chapter 32, verse 22. Starting in verse 22, the Bible says, And he arose that night and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven sons, and crossed over the ford of Jabbok. He took them, sent them over the brook, and sent over what he had. Then Jacob was left alone. Everyone say alone. Alone. Just want to make sure you're still with me. Alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. And he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Jacob says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Jacob sends over the brook Jabbok, everything he had, everything he owns, and he finds himself alone, completely alone. He finds himself alone to wrestle with his past failures and his impending doom. Then suddenly realizing that he is not alone, uh, Jacob begins to wrestle with a man with all his might, and he is not about to give up. The fight has begun. You see, if you're going to survive the fight of your life, don't give up the fight until you've received your blessing. Don't give up the fight until you get your blessing. Dewey Bozola refused to give up the fight. While he fought for his innocence, he, he won prison boxing championships and even earned all the way up to his master's degree. He refused to stay down. He wouldn't let life get the last punch. He occupied himself by pouring himself into positive and fulfilling things until after 26 years, his battle for justice finally returned to victory. Winston Churchill is recorded as once saying, and listen to this, the pessimist sees the problems in every opportunity, whereas the optimist sees the opportunity in every problem. He's also recorded as saying to a group of students in 1941, never, ever, 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 ever give up. Never give up, never give up, Never give up. This is the kind of radical resilience you got to have in the fight of your life. Jacob fought with this man all night until dawn, and here lies one of the most astonishing portions of Scripture in the entire Bible. Jacob fights with a man who in verse 30 he recognizes as God. Not only does he fight with God all night, but he wins. If you look at this wonderful, beautiful quotation from the book Patriarchs and Prophets, the inspired author says, suddenly a strong hand was, was laid upon him. He thought that an enemy was seeking his life, and he endeavored to wrest himself from the grasp of, of his assailant. In the darkness, the two struggled for the mastery. Not a word was spoken, but Jacob put forth 
all his strength and, and did not relax his efforts for a moment. While he was thus battling for his life, the sense of his guilt pressed upon his soul. His sins rose up before him to shut him out from God. But in his terrible extremity, he remembered God's promises and his whole heart went out in entreaty of his mercy. As I read this passage, I, I, I wondered, what if, what if by, tape, by touching Jacob with his strong hand, God was, was, was initially just trying to tap him on the shoulder as if to say, Jacob, I'm here with you. Jacob, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm for you. Don't be afraid. And because he was afraid and consumed with his past failures and consumed with, with all of the negative experiences in his life, that Jacob just automatically went into defense mode and started to fight. Either way, Jacob found himself wrestling with the God of the universe. Wow. <laughs> wow. Uh, God actually lets us wrestle with him. You do know, of course, that God let Jacob win that fight, right? Although Jacob was technically fighting with God, the greatest fight, the greatest fight of his life, like many of us, was actually with himself. Jacob's fight was with himself. God was not his enemy. Jacob was his own worst enemy. The fight of our life that God wants to help us win is not only against the devil, but mostly against ourselves. And as I was reflecting about this, I was saying that God, in a sense, is for us and against us. He is for us, but God is helping us wage a battle, in essence, with self. God is the one seeking to bless us, but our sins, our past, our fears, our bad habits have so skewed our picture of God that we sometimes fight with him thinking that he is the enemy. Somewhere in the midst of the fight, Jacob came to the astonishing realization who, uh, of who he was fighting with. And now some of us would have run away for fear that a divine lightning bolt would have struck us dead. But not so with Jacob. Uh, he sees this as his golden opportunity. All Jacob ever wanted from the beginning was to have God's blessing. In the past, he tried to get it by deceit. And now he must press forward by faith. His battle was not without scars. God touched the socket of Jacob's hip and it came out of joint. But that did not stop Jacob. He refused to quit in spite of his pain. I want, I want to say that again. He refused to quit in spite of his pain. The blessing Jacob was seeking was the assurance that his sins were forgiven and he was going to hold on until he got his blessing. He demonstrated a Job-like faith that says, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. In the battles of life, we get scars. We get wounds that show we have been in the fight of our lives. We get the wounds of broken relationships, past hurts, physical and emotional pain. And I don't know what wounds or what scars you've brought in uh, as evidence of the battle that you may be facing, but I'm here to tell you tonight to just hold on a little longer. 
Press on in faith and don't quit. Never give up. You can survive and you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. His strength is made perfect in our weakness. Claim his promises and receive the blessing of his forgiveness. Change. And Jacob is about to experience the greatest change of his life in verse 27. Go with me to verse 27. The Bible says, so he said to him, what is your name? He said, Jacob. Now, you know that God already knows the name of Jacob, but God is trying to get Jacob somewhere. In verse 28, he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God. Imagine that. You have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why is it that you ask me my name? And he blessed him there. Friends, tonight, finally, if you're going to survive the fight, of your life. You do know you're in the fight of your life. If you're going to survive the fight of your life, then you've got to let God change your name. You've got to let God change your name. In the movie Fireproof, Kirk Cameron plays a husband called Caleb, whose marriage is about to go up in smoke. When challenged by his father to fight for his marriage, he begins the love dare. How many of you know about the love dare? And how many of you have seen the movie Fireproof? All right. He begins the love dare. And Caleb starts to do random acts of kindness for his wife, and he doesn't get the response he's looking for. His wife's heart is unmoved as, he seeks, uh, as she seeks a divorce and a potential new relationship. Finally, Caleb reaches his breaking point, and he wants to quit when he is confronted with the fact that he doesn't know how to love. He can't muster it. It's not something that he can produce internally. He just doesn't know how to do it. And he realizes that he must first accept God's love for him through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. A Caleb becomes a changed man, and now that his heart was fully in it, now that his heart was fully engaged and involved with the love of God, he wins back his wife's heart. And Caleb's conversion to Christ started a work in his heart that, that began to change his character. You see that Caleb, what Caleb needed and what all of us need is a name change. We need a name change. Names in the Bible were very significant. Every time Jacob said his name and any time someone said Jacob's name, he was reminded of his past. He was reminded of, of, of who he was. He was reminded of his failures. He was reminded that he was a deceiver. When God asked him what his name was, he was in essence saying, my name, Jacob was in essence saying, my name is deceiver. My character is deceiver. His name was a description of his character. So when God changed his name from Jacob to Israel, one who struggles with God and man and prevails, he was changing his character from deceiver to overcomer. Uh, Jacob's new name meant that he now has a new identity, a, a new destiny, a whole new image. 
His encounter with God changed the course of his entire life. And friends, this is exactly what Jesus wants to do in your life today and tonight. He wants to give you a new name. He wants to change you from sinner to saint. He wants to change you from unrighteous to righteous, from from victim to victor, from faithless to faithful, from lost to saved. But you've got to let Christ change your name. Give him your heart and mind and let him change your character. You've got to surrender in order to win. You've got to surrender in order to win. Friends, this is the great controversy in its fullest. The war is being waged between Christ and Satan for your mind. The fight is intense. Can't you hear the battle? Can't you hear the battle on the job, at home, in school, in the choices that you make from day to day, in your music, in your entertainment, in your games? The intensity of the the battle even seeks to invade your family, your dating relationships, and even your spouse. This is the fight of your life. But I can hear Jesus saying, I can hear Jesus saying in the in the world, in in this world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Uh, Jesus doesn't try to sugarcoat the reality of this world of sin. He says in this world, you will have trials and tribulations. He says in John 10, 10, he says the thief, and we know that thief is the devil. He says the thief comes only but to kill and to steal and to destroy. But I, Jesus says, have come to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. Do you hear what Jesus is saying here in this text? He says in the midst of the devil coming to steal in your life, to kill in your life, to destroy you, he says, no, I have come, listen to my voice, I have come to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. The battle is not yours, the battle is the Lord's. Jesus says to you, be of good cheer, I, I have overcome the world. Though there may be trouble in your life, And the battle seems intense. The battle seems overwhelmingly intense. Know that through Christ, you can, no, you will survive the fight of your life. Confess your your fears. Claim the promises of God. You will survive if you don't give up the fight until you get your blessing. And you will win the fight of your life if you let God be the one to change your name. Friends, it is surviving and winning these little fights of life that will prepare you for the big one that, friends, is coming. The the inspired pen says, Jacob's experience during the night of wrestling and anguish represents the trial through which the people of God must pass just before Christ's second coming. The Bible says in Jeremiah 30, And verse 7, the Bible says, Alas, for that day is great, so that none is like it. And it is the time of Jacob's trouble. But guess what? Here comes the good news. Listen to what your Bible says next. It says, but he shall, we shall be saved out of it. We shall, that's not, a, that's not a maybe or an if, we shall be saved from it. God's people will be delivered. But it's going to take patience and it's going to take the faith of Jesus. Go with me to Revelation 
chapter 14 and verse 12. The Bible says, uh, uh, the Bible says here in Revelation 14, 12, he says, here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God. But here's the best part. Have the faith of Jesus. Your translation may say, have faith in Jesus. Either way, it's Jesus. (laughs) You see, the victory lies, friends. The victory lies in your faith. In 1 John 5, verses 4 to 5, 1 John 5, verses 4 to 5, the Bible says, for wherever, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he? It's a rhetorical question. Who is he who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Friends, you've got to put your faith and your trust in Jesus. You've got to put your faith and your trust in Jesus. He is the only way that you and I are going to make it out of this fight, of this world alive. You need Jesus. I need Jesus. And friends, I want to invite you tonight. If you are willing to receive Jesus Christ, it could be for the first time. It could be for the hundredth millionth time. I believe Jesus accepts every time that we come to him. Seminarian church member, calm in the back, pointing to me. We are all in need of Christ. And as a matter of fact, at any point we lose our dependency on Jesus Christ, that's when we find ourselves losing the fight of our lives. As a matter of fact, I would suggest to you that it's not even safe to leave your house without Jesus. Uh, As a matter of fact, you need to have a a living relationship with Christ that is is founded in, in the Bible where you can hear from Jesus, and prayer, where, where you can talk to Jesus, and in service to mankind, where you can serve others, and your witness reveals Jesus. But I want to invite you now by, by, by signifying that you would like to receive Jesus Christ, either anew or afresh, or for the first time, by standing to your feet with me now as we get ready to pray. You see, you're engaged in a fight. And while I'm giving you hope tonight, because the hope ultimately is Jesus. I want to be real. The fight is going on. When we leave here, there is a fight. We do have an enemy, but guess what? That enemy is not as bad as the enemy sometimes that we face in the mirror. The fight is with self. And the gospel, the good news is that Jesus is the remedy to that. And so I want to give you Jesus tonight. So if you would like to just lift your hands tonight and just say, Jesus, Just to signify, Jesus, I am yours. As a child raises his hands to his father to be picked up and carried, Jesus, we lift our hands tonight because we want to be lifted up out of this desperate situation that we sometimes find ourselves in. And we would like to be carried, Lord, carried from this this world, Lord, that is so full of disappointments and sin and challenges, and we want to be lifted from this world, we want to go to the next Jesus, where we can be with you, and we can be free from all of the, the sin and the pain and the hurts that are here in this life, Lord. We've cried, our, we've cried too many tears, Father, and the, the Bible says that you have our tears in your book, in your bottle, and so I pray, Lord, that you would just remember us tonight, 
Father, tonight there may be someone here who has stood up and in their heart of hearts they have said, Jesus, I want to receive you for the first time, for the first time. Or maybe it's someone tonight that has said, you know, Jesus, I, I've walked with you, but you know, I've slipped away from you. I've come to church, I've come to 180, but you know, honestly, my heart just really was not connected to you. I'm having a difficult time trusting you completely, Father. I think sometimes, Lord, by the situations that have taken place in my life, that you're behind this mess. But tonight, your heart was touched, and you want to say, God, you know, I want to learn how to trust you. I don't quite know how to do it yet, but I want to take that step of faith that Jacob had to take. I see that Jacob won that battle, and so, Lord, I want to win that battle. And yes, there may be some scars that will come with it, but I know in the end, you are the author, and you are the finisher of my faith. I can claim that promise. If you want to signify that tonight, just raise your hands to Jesus right now. Just raise your hands to Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. My hand is raised. My hand is raised. I, I'll put up my feet if I could. I need Jesus just as much as you do. So right now, receive this, our commitment to you, Jesus. You're our Lord and you're our Savior. You will keep us till the end, Lord, if we stay with you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to Living For Him podcast. I pray that you were blessed by this message and that you experienced the good news of the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. I'd like to personally invite you to respond to this good news and take the next steps in following Jesus by clicking the prompt in the description. I've also created a resource to help you experience the joy of a close relationship with Jesus called the Life in Christ Daily Devotional Journal. If you'd like to experience Jesus daily, watch the good news of his story unfold throughout scripture, and do this as a weekly small group gathering, then get your copy today in print or ebook by clicking the link in the description. Living for Him exists to tell the story of Jesus for the equipping of healthy disciple makers who extend his reign of love. If you'd like to support the further development of this exciting ministry, then I encourage you to become a monthly supporter by also clicking the link in the description. Your support is greatly appreciated. You're also invited to like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to this podcast and subscribe to our e-newsletter by visiting our website at livingforhim.tv. Lastly, we kindly ask that you write us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other podcast platform you're listening to us on and share this podcast with your friends. I look forward to meeting you here again in our next episode, where our desire is that you experience the joy of life in Christ. Once again, I'm CJ Cousins, and I'm living for him. <laughs>